You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that wants you to make me a bicycle clown. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is the burlesque clown with a liberal sprinkling of biodegradable glitter, Miss Fifi LaRue. Hello, how are you doing? How are you today? I am, I'm pretty okay, actually. <laughs> We've just had a conversation <laughs> about this earlier on, about how we don't want to say that we're not doing too bad anymore because it's a whole radical acceptance of you know, don't set yourself up to fail. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Thank yeah. you for asking. Awesome. And, and for anyone who's wondering about that, last time we had Boy M5 and he pointed out the fact that as Irish people, we tend to say that we're not too bad instead of saying that we're good. So everybody is caught up on that now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Fifi, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? I am Fifi LaRue, or Fee Rooney, whichever way you feel like calling me, as long as it's Fee and no other name. I am an Irish artist, circus performer, burlesque performer, producer, all-round weirdo, really. I've been doing art pretty much as soon as I evacuated my mother's womb. I studied contemporary sculpture and the expanded practice in NCAD, and I also spent some time away in Brera, the Academy of Fine Arts in Milan. Then following that, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole, for want of a better word, into the world of circus and performance. I ended up going and touring with a circus in the States. And then I came back to Ireland, fell in love with our scene because it's a ridiculously amazing scene, got seduced, as is the nature, by burlesque, and then started performing. And then I fucked off to the UK. (laughs) And we miss you. (laughs) I miss you too but also I probably visit way too many times apart from this year because 2020 is a year. Yeah you you can never visit too much probably except in a pandemic. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So am I right in saying you're primarily more of a like a burlesque clown? Yes I'd say I'm quite like yourself in that I'm quite multifaceted. I kind of predominantly feature burlesque clowning. I really enjoy comedy and making people laugh and bringing a bit of happiness into everyone's world. So my style of burlesque, even though I can do the glitz and the glamour, I kind of just prefer dressing up as a giant duck or a fox that lives in a bin and making you be like, what has just gone through her head? Well, it gets people talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I like being that weird person who's totally not a furry but almost all of my acts are furry acts but I suppose it comes into because you do so many other art styles as well so that would be something that makes sense that you're making your own costumes and props and everything yeah yeah that's definitely one of the biggest things that has drawn me to burlesque kind of more so from circus so I initially went to NCAD with the intention of going off and doing fashion design because through Fifi's Emporium I would still do a lot of costume design, making anything from pasties to gauntlets to full quick reveal dresses. But in the world of burlesque, there's a lot more opportunity, I feel, to kind of go a bit more out there with your props. 
in the circus world, you know, it's a very, very prop heavy world, but it's kind of more showboating. Whereas burlesque, I feel, gives you a lot more leeway and room to not so much showboat with what you have, but literally you can make anything out of anything. I literally made a giant plant pot out of a cardboard box the other week. And you've got all of that room to tell a lot more of a story without having to have the pressure of here's the newest, shiniest trick that I've just learned. Right. That's fascinating. Just because we've had burlesque performers on the show before and they come into it from a very different background. So it's, it's cool to see the different sides of it. Yeah, I definitely came into it from a different background. I don't think... You know, I'm going to be completely bluntly honest with you, and I'll always say this to anyone who I talk to. I don't think I came into it with the best attitude because I was a circus performer and I did have that attitude of, oh, burlesque is just easy. All you have to do is take your clothes off. I learned the very hard way that that's not the case and that burlesque is really hard. But I'm also an Aries and it means that I'm very, very stubborn and I like to prove people wrong. So after (laughs) I made a tit of myself on stage, I was like, no, I have to come back and I have to redeem myself. I haven't given this art form the respect that it deserves. As a result, I embarrassed myself, but also it, it is something that, you know, I've, I've given a go at and I love it and I want to do more of it. And then I kind of went away, kind of refined everything, realized what I had to do to make myself better and to treat it with the respect that it deserves. And then I came back and found a nice little niche of weird fox comedy girl. That's awesome. It's very rare to hear somebody say, you know, I came into it guns blazing, but I was kind of in my own head about it. And then I realized, actually, no, I need to appreciate this for what it is. Yeah. So it's it's always something where I'm like, everyone throughout their whole lives are always going to be growing. And the moment where you think you know everything is the moment where you don't know anything. So if you see online, you've got you know, if you search Fifi LaRue, Miss Burlesque Ireland classic routine, it's like my very, very first classic burlesque act. I've never asked for it to be taken down because even though myself, I'm like, that act is atrocious. What am I doing? It's still part of myself. It's still part of my history. And I think it still shows the progression and the seriousness that I wanted to correct myself and learn and show people how this is where I started from. This is where I am now. Anyone can do it but also you need to be brave to make the mistakes because otherwise you're never going to learn. And if you're not brave enough to sometimes be wrong about something, you're only going to live in a world of ignorance if you don't ever push for that knowledge. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with that. There's, that's something that I would actually say is that you might think you know everything, but the day that you stop learning is the day that you might as well just put your brushes down and stop because you're done. Yeah, exactly. Or even if you have the attitude that you're never going to learn. I mean, it's also the thing about burlesque in particular at the moment. The scene is always growing. In Ireland in particular, I feel like in the last like four years, it's literally been set ablaze by all of the ridiculously amazing performers that are on the scene right now. But they are constantly pushing and bringing in new things. You see the likes of Undercurrent coming in with the lip syncing and the musical cabaret side of it. Then you see all of the drag influences coming in as well. And it's when you kind of get to the point where it's like, oh, well, it's not how it was back in my day, where you're like, no, because once you have that close off attitude, you're never going to have the growth that we need for us to get the community to where it rightfully deserves to be. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, that's even something I notice. obviously I'm not a burlesker or anything, but I would work with quite a few people who are. And like, so say being a body painter, you know, we do work with burlesquers and fine artists and clowns and models and all sorts of people. And if you close yourself off to that, you're, you're just limiting your reach. Yeah. One thing I love to see a lot of is when you have collaborations from worlds outside your own, when you bring something in that can influence it in a way that you might not even know has it could influence it. It's just like watching porn. <laughs> the best kind of porn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I, I 100% agree. It's great to see people, especially people you wouldn't expect to be working together. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, you see it a lot where you've got a lot of crossovers. I mean, the way I found burlesque was through the crossover of the circus scene and the burlesque scene. And if it wasn't for that crossover and the openness and willingness of people wanting to bring in these other art forms into the scene, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am now. And even where I am now, granted, I've, I've taken a good bit of a break over the last year or so. It's still something that will always influence my life. I've always been feminist from as early as I can remember I don't know how I managed to get these values in my life but they've always been there and burlesque has just been something that has kind of opened up the world of intersectional feminism and sex positive feminism because a lot of burlesque performers would also have a crossover with sex workers and then you'd also have a lot of trans performers or non-binary and just the whole world of LGBTQ plus performers Oh, I would 100% agree that it is great to see that industries are opening up and becoming so accepting of people regardless of their backgrounds, you know, or how they identify because we're all people and we all have a creative spark and we all want to join in and it, it doesn't make sense to, to lock anybody out. Yeah, this, this is actually one of the things that actually has drawn me to burlesque the most, particularly in the, in the cabaret world because it is so open and it's literally for everyone. Yes, burlesque is primarily, you know, stripping and seduction and being a sexy performer on stage, but it also has that other avenue where you can be a clown on stage, you can be a comedy performer, you have draglesque, you have queerlesque, you have nerdlesque, but also in the cabaret scene as well, particularly in Ireland, you've got the likes of Tony Temples does stand-up comedy. You've got Shandrika who does spoken word. And we're all bringing all of these other avenues into the scene. And it's why I just adore it because it is literally for everyone. And it's one of the biggest reasons that kind of took me away from being primarily circus into being burlesque. Because as I got older, I kind of, you know, have been dealing with living with a chronic illness and chronic pain and obviously the older you get the more difficult it gets but mm -hmm. burlesque has that opportunity where there's no limits to it the only limit to it is yourself because if you tell yourself you can't do something then you can't do something whereas I had like two weeks ago I did a burlesque routine where I was a cheese plant and I literally just grew really really slowly and it's apart from you know having to paint myself entirely green it is the least taxing routine I have which for me when I have days of high flare pains it's just a dream that I'm able to do it as opposed to having to think of an amazing hoop routine where I have to be high energy and that will wipe me out afterwards yeah and just to touch on that a little bit because you would be a fellow spoonie and anyone who doesn't know what a spoonie is it, correct me if I'm wrong but it's basically someone who lives with some form of chronic illness or chronic fatigue yeah, chronic illness, chronic pain, chronic fatigue. If you 
follow me on Instagram, I do actually have a highlighted story about spoon theory, along with the difference of spoon theory and fork theory, because a lot of people who have heard about spoon theory, it, it basically describes your energy that you have when you're somebody who has limited energy. And a lot of people who had mental illnesses associated with it, but there is a big difference where when you have chronic pain or chronic illness or fatigue as well, if you get out of bed and have a shower, that's your energy gone for that shower. But if you're doing that and you are doing it when you're in a position when you're going through a depressive episode, having that shower could literally be what you need just to give you that extra bit of spark. And from that, you have enough energy to go and make yourself a bowl of cereal. So it's kind of the difference between the two of those, fork theory and spoon theory. They are both like siblings and cousins, but they're both different. And I think it's amazing that that kind of terminology is becoming a lot more used now and a lot more you know, normalized. But I also think it's really important for people to realize that sometimes you're actually just tired and you might not necessarily be a spoonie, but also there is absolutely nothing wrong with just telling people that you're tired and acknowledging the fact that you're tired, especially right now. Yeah, no, completely. And that's, that's even something that I've had to learn in myself, just because I would suffer from undiagnosed chronic fatigue, which basically just means like they don't diagnose you with it unless they have exhausted every single other option. So it basically just means, yeah, we don't know what's going on. You're just tired all the time. But I would find that, like you said, you get out of bed and you have a shower and then I'm just done for the day. Like you can't do anything else. You're finished. Yeah, it's so freaking difficult. And I think a lot of people don't quite understand it because they just think that you're being tired or you're being lazy or something along the lines. But when you're actually in that position, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that with mental health, you can actually have chronic fatigue. Because when you think about it, if you have an anxiety disorder, you are constantly on fight, flight or freeze mode, which is going to exhaust you. And that could be a reason why you have chronic fatigue. But bringing it back into the likes of burlesque and everything, it's kind of because it invites so many people into it and because it has that opportunity to, you know, it has no limits apart from the limits that you put on yourself. It does mean that there is quite a big Spoonie community within it. There is an amazing performer, Little Peaches. She produces a show called Disabilities, which has recently been brought online. And it's all to kind of highlight the performers who do have invisible illnesses or disabilities or, you know, chronic pain, even mental health illnesses as well. But it kind of just invites you. And because you have this community of people within a bigger community itself who just kind of get it. It makes it so much more validating for you to realize that actually, no, you're still an artist, even though you can't get out of bed. And you're still an artist, even though you haven't done a painting in like seven months. Or you're still an artist, even if you've only been able to do the same routine that you've been doing for the last two years. Like, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I, have been do- I have been doing nothing artistic lately. And you just, you beat yourself up over it then. You really, really do. I mean, you know, we we have imposter syndrome as well. I know you've experienced it quite a bit where you feel like people are going to realize that you're not who you say you are. They're going to realize that you haven't done something in like X amount of time. But in reality, you know, you can only do what is within your limit and you can't compare yourself to anybody else because they are not you. They don't have the abilities that you have. You don't have the abilities that they have. You can only work within your own limitation. And I think this is like something that we kind of need to reaffirm with ourselves. It it, it goes into burnout as well, particularly as artists. It's something that we would always experience. Like in college, had to 
experience working through artist block and it was just a case of you just keep on working but that also kind of feeds into the negative world of grind culture and hustle culture and reality sometimes you do literally just need to take a step away and don't touch something for a while like I haven't done any form of art between about a year after finishing college and now and it's through lockdown where I've been able to sit down and actually focus on some of the paintings that I used to do, some of the life drawings that I used to do, and find this world of feed that had that burnout through my experience through college. Just because I stopped doing it then never ever meant that I wasn't an artist. It just mm-hmm. meant that, you know, I needed to take a break. Yeah, and I think part of the problem as well is that these days we live in a social media world where you feel like if you're not posting, if you're not constantly updating and saying, look what I'm doing, look, I'm working, that, you know, because sometimes if you haven't posted in a while, you might lose a couple of followers and then mm. you go, oh no, they're realizing I'm a fraud. Yeah, this is also something that I, I feel needs to be discussed really hugely is the fear of becoming irrelevant because I do think particularly right now because everything has stopped and a lot of things have gone onto online shows and there's a lot of discussion as to who should be performing in the online shows and x y and z and there's a lot of people who are just afraid that if they don't do anything you're going to become irrelevant I kind of had this well I'm lucky in a way I'm privileged in a way that I kind of experienced this the year before so when I got really really bad due to just what had happened in the last day job that I had before the one I'm working now they unfortunately made me very very sick and I had to take like three or four months off work and because of that I also just had to make the decision that I couldn't take on any bookings any gigs and was in such a good place where I had become, you know, I worked very, very hard on the Irish scene and then I had gotten myself to a position to move over to UK and work within the UK scene and push myself even harder and harder because I was eventually working on the pipeline dream was that I could work from being an established performer to hopefully becoming a headliner. But I had put in all of this work and then all of a sudden, because of my body, that work had been taken away from me. And it was kind of like, I need to keep on doing something. Otherwise people are going to forget about me. And then I'm just going to have to start from the start or I'm going to have to fight for what I'm worth, but I just don't have the energy to fight for what I'm worth. And in reality, people don't really realize that much. I took the break and I still have people who give me the same amount of respect that I had before I took the break. I still have amazing human beings in my life who are just supportive no matter what. You've done the work to get to where you are. If you need to take a break for yourself, take the break for yourself because that work isn't going to undo. It's like, I think Lyra Fox actually said it where art is like another muscle because it is, it's like riding a bike essentially. You, you might have to shake off some of the cobwebs, but when you jump back into it, you know, you, you do have all of this time and all of this energy that you've already put into into perfecting your art and your form. And you might just need to polish it around the corners, but it's all there. You've done the work already. It will all come back to you. And the people who will support you, who would have supported you from beforehand, they're going to be there. And if anyone has left you within that time, maybe they weren't the good supporters to have in the first place. Yeah, no, you've completely hit the nail on the head. And like even this show itself was born out of the fear of becoming irrelevant, like not so much for myself, but because there were so many of us artists affected by lockdown that I went, oh crap, what are we going to do? And you see it everywhere, not just on the show, but you see artists supporting other artists and promoting each other and trying to build each other up. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, you know, if you get overworked and you need to take a break, then you just take that break and you don't feel bad about it. And you don't, you know, you don't get FOMO because when you come back, people will be just as supportive and just as into it as they were before you left. 
Yeah, exactly. It's always something that I told myself through circus training that it's better to take six weeks off now if you have an injury than six years down the line. And like, to be honest, as much as I'm like preaching it, I'm like, do as I say and not as I do, because even one of the reasons, <laughs> even one of the reasons why I kind of like reached out to you to like do this, I, I did have a lot of imposter syndrome before I even messaged you, which is why I had messaged you initially when everyone else was but then I was like no no I'm, I'm still an artist I can still do it but then there was a big part of me that was also like oh I should do this because I'm becoming irrelevant in Ireland and no one remembers me in Ireland so I need to remind them that hi I'm Fifi LaRue I'm still here I'm still annoying love me please I need validation I'm not a Gemini I'm just an Aerie I, I need to be the protagonist in my life okay <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I totally get that because I mean, even people listening will know that we took, I think it was a two week break from doing the show. And I'll be completely honest, that was purely for my own mental health. Like I have no shame in saying it. I needed a break and I took it. Which is good. And it's, it's what I think we need to normalize it as well. Obviously, we do also have that problem of you can only normalize it to a certain extent. If this is your full-time gig, you know, you need to be careful as to what you can take on and what you can't take on. And I think a lot of the time when it comes to hustle culture and everything, and when it comes to burnout, a lot of the burnout comes from us grabbing every single gig that we can grab. But I do believe one of our friends, Michael, Mr. Balloonatech, he gave me amazing advice early on because I used to do balloon modeling it like yourself. Can't anymore because, hey, I'm allergic to latex. Oh. <laughs> It's so much fun. The saddest um, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I still do it because I still love balloon modeling. But after I do it, my like whole hands just peel off and it's just all raw and red. Oh, no. Generally, it's worth it. Yeah. And, and, and I know you get people that would say, well, I mean, can you not just wear gloves? But like, it's not the same. No. And a lot of the times the gloves that you would wear would also have latex in them. Well, I mean, some people would actually wear like, um, you know, like entertainer's gloves. But the problem with that is then, you know, the, the tip of the glove might get caught mm. in, the, in the twist or whatever. And it's just, it's not the same. No, <laughs> it's really not. I genuinely feel for you, though, because I love balloons. They are my happy place. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, as long as I like don't wear a balloon dress. Well, I mean, you could, you could do what I do. Like these days I will actually wear, you know, like a, a strapless dress or a tank top or something underneath. And there's no shame in that. Do you not like die from heat? Well, I mean, you're going to do that anyway. True. <laughs> you might as well. What's, just... what's one tiny layer of fabric going to, you know, it's not going to make much of a difference. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> well, well, see, well, see now. Okay, so for me, that was born out of necessity purely because you know, like when you're doing a balloon dress, mm. normally you're putting somebody else into it. But in my case, because I can't afford to pay the models, I don't want to ask them to. Now, a lot of people are very enthusiastic, and I absolutely love collaboration. But if it's a case where it's a gig that I'm not getting paid for, but it's something that I really want to do, yeah, I just I put myself in the dress, and the whole wearing clothes underneath it was it was. For a couple of reasons. One was that I was usually doing it at, you know, a public event where there's nowhere for me to get changed. So <laughs> I'm not going to stand there, you know, you know, topless or in my underwear or whatever. So I'd have like leggings or something on. And then the other one was that because I'm putting the dress on myself, I have to put it on backwards and then spin it around. Ah. But the problem with that is if you're not wearing clothes underneath it, it sticks to your skin. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a, a loophole for me. <laughs> it was just wear some clothes. So all I'm hearing is that I'm just going to go out and buy some slips and then I'm sorted. <laughs> <laughs> now you still can't put the dress on yourself. You're going to have to get someone else to do that. 
stop ruining this for me. Unless you wear gloves, put the put the dress on with <laughs> yeah. and then take the gloves off. It's a whole convoluted thing. <laughs> there is it's not like we have loads of time right now for me to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm terrible. I'm such an enabler. Just to, to bring it up a bit, because like, obviously these, we always get into very serious issues on the show. And I am here for that. If people want to talk about, you know, if they want to use their platform to talk about something they're passionate about, I am all for it. But I would like to talk a little bit more about you and what you do as well. So do you want to talk about the shows that you produce? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do that whole thing that I do, you know? <laughs> So yeah, one of the things that Fifi LaRue, myself, does is I am a producer. So I kind of went off after art college, traveled the state, did a bit of stuff in Europe, and then kind of had a lot of time of performing in Ireland and performing in the UK and Europe. And I came back and I kind of realized that I really wanted to produce shows. I'd done a few beforehand. I'd done stuff like a circus and theater show based off Dublin ghost stories because I really love Dublin ghost stories. But I kind of wanted to bring it into the burlesque world. And I kind of saw that I had an idea that hadn't it it had been done in some ways, but not in my way. And I do kind of feel like if you're going to put something on, if you're going to put a show on in order for you to like not oversaturate the scene, you just need to make sure that what you're doing is your own or your own take or that there's room and there's space for it. So I started doing the Emporium series, which was an evening of cabaret and alternative markets because we do have an amazing alternative market scene. And again, we had an amazing cabaret scene in Dublin. But I kind of wanted to blend the two together and kind of give an opportunity for market stalls and costume designers and that to have a space where they can kind of promote their work, as well as a cabaret show for people to go and enjoy and feel really comfortable in. And with it, you know, any of the stall owners, I've always been kind of, having done markets myself, I kind of knew of the risk that a stall owner will have by how much money a stall will cost. So I never wanted the tickets to be more than a ticket for a show because at the end of the day, if you haven't made enough from your stall, you've still paid for a ticket for a show. So you haven't really lost out in that regards. And then I also realized that again, it full like hands up, it was a bit of the cockiness within me where, you know, having done shows in the UK and Europe and that there was a certain calibre of standard there as opposed to Ireland. Now, I will fight tooth nail for Irish scene because I think we have an immensely special scene. We have one that is so special to everyone within it and anyone who comes to it kind of realizes that Ireland is a little bit magic. But because of my love and my passion for it, I kind of wanted to help it grow in whatever way I could. And I kind of got to the point where, you know, I needed to check myself a bit and realize that people might not be able to travel or perform in the same way that I would be able to. It's kind of a privilege in itself if I'm able to go off to the UK and perform an X, Y, and Z. So I kind of realized with myself that instead of kind of being a bit of a bitch for want of a better word that I should just you know put my money where my mouth is and bring people over so that was why the emporiums have always always had an international performer because I wanted to you know acknowledge the fact that not everybody is in the position to travel outside of Ireland and also show people what is out there I had initially started doing workshops with the headliners that I brought over then it got to the point where unfortunately just with the whole weekend after I went to have lived in the UK it was just too much for myself to handle but the emporiums itself kind of became their own thing which I'm forever 
grateful for. I mean, I managed to produce them living in a different country for two years, but they kind of created a space that was very spoony accepting. We had tree breaks within the show. A big reason for that was because I wanted people to go buy from the markets, but also because I was aware that, you know, sometimes energy is a big thing. I kind of wanted it to be a relaxing show where people can come and sit and then go and have a look at everything as well as seeing not only some of who I taught were some of the best performers in Ireland at the time and some of the best acts at the time and still are, but also some of the best acts that we have to show from the UK and that we had like Ruby Jones, we had Lily Snatchdragon, had Eliza Delight in the last one. So it's just this really kind of special world that I started but would never have become its own thing if it wasn't for the people who came and made it what it was. To be completely honest with you, I, I, I now have taken a break from doing the Emporiums, a lot of it because of my own mental and physical health. And I had actually wanted to take a break a year before I did that. But the only reason I hadn't was because I was aware that there were so many people who would send me messages and being like, when is the next one coming? When's the next one happening? You know, you've got people who I'd only see at that time the likes of Victoria, who I love dearly, and I'm sure a lot of people know in the Irish burlesque scene would go to all of them. And, you know, you've got other people who, it was something that was a bit like, what are you doing? Not these people, but like, how, how, why do you feel this way about something that I've done? But at the same time, it was really, really validating to have people acknowledge the work. I, I suppose there's a bit of me somewhat grieving it in a way right now because I have taken this break. Before COVID even happened, I told myself I wasn't going to do an Emporium for the year because it got to the point where I was like, I don't think Ireland needs them right now because the shows that have been happening in Ireland since I've moved have all exceeded the standard that I wanted to put on and they've all gotten their own world and I needed to find another reason as to why Ireland needed the space for the Emporium as well as acknowledge the fact that I needed to take a break for my own mental and physical health which honestly living with depression and anxiety for pretty much as long as I can remember having lucid thoughts I'm now in the best mental health space I have ever been in my entire life because I've made that decision. But in saying that, I didn't take a step away from producing because I still continued to produce the Cork Burlesque Festival with my co-producer, Miss Emerald L. And that was kind of what ended up being our passion project. We started it last year. We call ourselves the Rebel Festival because there's a fair few problematic festivals on the European scene. But we realized that we kind of needed to create a safe space for every and all performer and audience member. We don't get to decide if it's a safe space. It's up to anyone who goes to it to decide if it's a safe space. And if it's not, it's up for us to work on it getting there. But we kind of called ourselves the Rebel Festival because, you know, we, we took on an attitude where we can see the kind of things that need to change within the burlesque scene as a whole. We wanted to try and promote not only a space for performers to go and feel recognized as well as have opportunities. You know, a lot of people who've come over to Ireland have fallen in love with the scene and have been adopted by the scene, the likes of Mick Cyanide and Lucifer and everyone like that. You know, they're not people who I've brought over solely, but they are people who've come over to the Irish scene and fallen in love with the magic that we have. So to have more of an opportunity to bring even more people over so that they can see how special the Irish scene is, because I do think in the vast world of burlesque, it's a very lovely little cuddle puddle.
But then we also wanted to create a stage where anyone who goes, Dublin is the centre point of burlesque in Ireland. But Cork, you know, I was born in Cork. Emerald Dell was also born in Cork and raised in Cork in Mallow. And we both felt that we wanted to bring burlesque down to Cork that hadn't been seen before, but also create not just one show, but three shows where everyone could go and they would see themselves on the stage. And we kind of combined and had a very, still is a very lovely partnership. I honestly could not ask for a better producer. She's someone who constantly checks me. I check her. Having that kind of partnership with someone who just so happens to be like one of your best friends, but when it's a business partnership that just blends so well, where you can both be on the same wavelength of what we need to try and improve within ourselves as producers, as well as within the scene. But yeah, it was kind of like a dream thing to happen where you start up a business with one of your closest friends and then find out that you're actually both really fantastic business partners to work with each other. We both generally have feelings about things and then we both say to each other and we're exactly on the same page as well as realizing like the moments where we need to pick up and improve ourselves and we're, we've, we're always in a constant discussion as to you know what is happening within the scene around us, how could we bring this into ourselves at our producers, what are our responsibilities, you know our responsibilities are having a safe stage not just for the performer but also for the audience our responsibilities are having a stage where everyone can see themselves and realize that like burlesque is for everybody without there being any limits one thing that we've also been discussing with not just emeraldale but a few of us producers within ireland are talking about the likes of having aftercare which i think particularly now with everything happening right now with the whole covid and the current i don't like saying political world because i don't believe that human rights are politics human rights are just human rights as they are and i think it's ridiculous that you know the fact that we can choose to research someone else's life as a white person is gotta check ourselves so from that like everything that's happening right now we kind of came to a realization there's obviously been a few moments on other stages where something has happened either a performer has been misgendered or an audience member has said something pretty much to a form of harassment to a host or something or a audience member has seen something on stage and even though they may have had a trigger warning it still affected them in a certain way and vice versa they might have seen something that the producer or the host might not have known had happened and then the performer themselves might have done something which has in turn triggered a audience member so we kind of realized with following a few events that the need for aftercare was something that needs to kind of be discussed and brought in and it's definitely something that we're discussing within ourselves so anyone who's actually listening to podcasts now we're looking into having a mental health first aid course amongst producers and anyone who wants to sage manage an x y and z with shows so if it is something that you would be interested in doing please do reach out to myself because obviously the more people who want to get involved in that better not just for stage work but i think getting mental health first aid trained in general has been such a gift for myself and i think it's something that everyone will find useful but yeah we kind of realized that there was this need for this extra thing to be added in and we need to work on that because as a producer it's our responsibility at the end of the day it comes solely down to us to make sure that if something we have done and even though we might not 
be that performer who's chosen to do something that they haven't disclosed or we might not be that audience member who has hurled that abuse at the host or we might not be that host who has misgendered that performer at the end of the day it's our show and those actions still reflect us so it's our responsibility to make sure that if something like that has happened that whoever it's happened to has the available aftercare and I think you know a lot of people will be like well no because they can go off and do it themselves but I think if you kind of have that attitude then why are you putting on that show in the first place because this is part of the responsibility that you hold as a producer yeah completely it is absolutely and even like I would agree that even you know when I'm body painting or doing makeup or doing you know a balloon dress or whatever like the model's welfare is my responsibility because if a model passes out while I'm painting them that's on me so it is 100% if you take people into your care and like you're you know you're using their skill for your gain or your benefit or whatever it is you should be obligated to make sure that they're okay yeah principals are you know it's their responsibility to make sure that their students are okay if you work as a manager you have a duty for care and it comes down into producing even if it is just producing a show for the fun of it which is 100% valid and you like 100% can go off and do that but you do just need to be aware of that responsibility that you're taking and if it is something that you do want to do even if it is just for the fun of it, because I do think with burlesque, there is kind of 100% an issue with elitism. There is definitely space for people who just want to go and perform. But if you do ever want to get into producing a show, my door is always open because at the end of the day, I would prefer for any shows that happen to be safer shows than just shows for the sake of it. Yeah, completely. Like I think these days there are enough shows for the sake of shows. People should actually be putting in the effort. Yeah. And it's not to like, you know, put down anyone who does just want to put on a show with all of their friends, because there is, at the end of the day, it kind of got to get really morbid right now, but at the end of the day, we all die. So <laughs> just do what you want to do, as long as you're not hurting anybody, unless it's consensual. <laughs> Words to live by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just I have a saying it's one that I do stand very very firmly by which is that integrity is hotter than ignorance you know if you put on an ignorant show or if if anything you do is the foundations are in ignorance it's going to catch up on you eventually but integrity if you put in the effort just to do a bit of research or look into something and find out and ask the questions because there isn't such thing as a stupid question there's a question that you might ask and you might be wrong for asking it but you're never going to learn if you don't ask the questions it's that integrity which is just it's not so about people contacting you where is the best place for people to keep up to date with you so the best place for people to keep up to date with me is actually Instagram at the moment. And you can find me at Miss Fifi LaRue. If you are somebody from the future who is listening to this, hopefully my website will be back up and running, which is feerooney.com. And that will have all of my links to everywhere. If you are somebody who is eternally young like I am, you can follow me on TikTok. <laughs> which is also at Miss Fifi LaRue. I don't do anything proper on that. I don't know why I said it other than the fact that I really like TikTok and I just like posting nice videos of plants on TikTok. But if you do genuinely want to keep up with me, we've got at Miss Fifi LaRue on Instagram. It is generally where I will post everything from producing shows to performing in shows to my own artwork. You can find all of my other pages through there. You've also got at Cork Burlesque Festival, corkburlesquefestival.com as well. And that's if you want to hear more about the festival. Obviously, things right now, with it being COVID, it's, it's kind of more a space for us to... We're trying to highlight performers when we can. 
particularly to help with people with the feeling of being irrelevant because you're not going to become irrelevant at this time. You know, I'm, I'm always somebody who is for sharing knowledge as much as possible. Um, I know that there's some people who, you know, they, they like to keep things secretive as possible, which is completely fair and it's completely within their own right. But I'm always somebody who's like, the more other people learn, they're going to improve and it's going to force you to improve because a high tide rises all boats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't expect your scene to grow if you don't let it grow. Yeah, a hundred, hundred million percent. Like, I always try and have it so that if, you know, I know how to do something that somebody else doesn't know how to do, I will just say to them, just ask me, I will show you. It's no problem. I can completely understand people who spend years and years cultivating themselves and they don't want to tell anybody who hasn't, you know, paid for a workshop. I completely understand that as well. And that, that is also valid, but I'm of the mindset of rising tides lift all boats. Yeah. And I mean, you also kind of can tell there are people who will be fully up and open for doing those workshops. And those are the people who are going to listen to what's being said. Like we said earlier on, you never stop learning. And I have the highest amount of respect for people who are teachers now, but you still see them going to workshops because even if it's like a beginner's burlesque workshop, you might pick up something from that. Even if it's like, it, it might not even be that you've picked up a skill or something. It could be that you've picked up a connection with the person who's taught. And from that connection, you can actually learn things down the line and just so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I would be one of those, I go to as many workshops as I can. And even it got to the point where I was running, I guess you could call them jams for balloons. Yeah. And those, they never really took off. You know, we usually had like the same four or five, maybe five if we were lucky people would come. but you know, that doesn't matter because maybe somebody figured something out that I didn't know how to do, or maybe I taught them something that day. At the very, very least, we all had fun. Yeah, at the very, very least, you've all created a connection and a relationship. And it's the kind of morbid person within myself, which very much believes that, sorry, I'm going to bring us there. I, I don't know if this needs a trigger warning, but obviously, not obviously, but last year I experienced quite a bit of grief within my life. And in it, I kind of realized the importance of relationship. And I'm a very firm believer that nothing in this world actually matters apart from what you apply meaning to. Mm. And for that reason, everyone who you have those relationships with and those connections with, even if you spend four hours in a room and it's a big event or like something that should have had 10 or 15 people if, if it was only you four people you've still built on a relationship and at the end of the day you might live anywhere in the world you might have nothing you might have everything but at the end of the day it's the relationship with the people in your life that kind of keeps you going I think it's it's important it's it's not even just a skill share it's just more true art a lot of the time it leaves more of an impression on life then you can put in words. And I think that kind of reflects on relationships and everything, you know? You, you never know how much of an effect you have on somebody or you never even know how much of an effect somebody has on you until they're gone. And I think art is like an amazing way of kind of immortalizing that. So before we go, is there anything else that we have not talked about that you would like to talk about? What I will say is that I have some new exciting things that will be coming soon and they will be up on Instagram and it's a lot more of art fee than opposed to burlesque or producing fee. So the best place to find out about that will just be Instagram. And then yeah, just, just kind of just a reminder to everyone that integrity is hotter than ignorance and there's nothing wrong with checking yourself. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we will put links to 
all your social media stuff in the description as well. So for anyone listening, check out Fee, check out her work, check out her shows and check out her supporting other artists as well, because that's all we can do right now is support each other. And we just got to keep it going around and around. Yes. I like a bit of validation because I'm an Aries, but also, you know, like we said earlier on, a high tide rises all boats and why not support everybody? Spread the love because that's what we need right now. Absolutely. I can 100% get behind that. Fee, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. For anyone listening, if you enjoyed this episode of Doing It For The Exposure and would like to hear more in the future, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at D-I-F-T-E Podcast. You can also check out our stream on nerdtoknowmedia.com. We stream weekly on Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. Bye! <laughs> Thank you for listening to a Nerd To Know Media production. 